This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison, from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with this week's guest, Ben Glebe. Ben, why should they listen this week? Because I reveal a lot of my personal life. I've never spoken about some trauma. We talk about vaginas, and then also we laugh, we laugh. Subscribe to Allison Rosen is your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I love you. Allison's your new best friend. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who really likes marine food. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And, boy, I'll tell you again, and I've told you this before, and I tell you every week, but it's the truth every week. I was so tired coming in here, and Colonel Jeff and I did good prep work and made a good show, and we were both so tired during it, we both took quick naps, in between, and we're the only ones there looking at the computer screen and checking this out, checking that out, and making sure this is in order, and then opening my eyes and realizing, well, the colonel's just sitting there, and he opens his eyes or he looks at me. The point is we were tired. And, folks, that music just came on, and it woke me up completely and gave me a full head and heart of energy. And I have to tell they they do. They get better every week. That's the Chris Kellett Orchestra and the Sonia Klimek Dancers featuring boy tenor Rocco Arcieri asking the musical question, so who really is on first? That's a terrific question, Rocco, and an important one. Rocco has asked... So who really is on first? Folks, ladies and gentlemen, friends, you know what? If you don't know the fabulous Abbott and Costello routine, who's on first? I, I tell you, you, you have to go find it. There's a great one of their movies, and they're all just great movies. I think it's called The, the Gay 90s or The... Or the uh, the the uh, Royal Nineties. What what is that called? The the Gay Nineties, I think. And they're um, it's about a riverboat. Regardless, they come on. They performed that routine, the Who's on First routine, at so many live shows, on so many radio shows, and they perform it in this movie. I think it may be the best version out there. Well, they're all good though. But please catch catch hold of Who's on First sometime. It never gets old. If you hear it once, you'll want to hear it a thousand more times, and you will over your life. I must tell you that they're so good together, Bud Abbott and Luke Costello performing that routine, and the core of it is, so who really is on first? As Bud is trying his best to just tell Lou the names of the ball players, And uh, they always, he always go, okay, so uh, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. And Lou interrupts him and says, wait a minute, uh, who's on first? Right. And it, they get caught up in the wordplay on this. It's so funny. It's probably based in an old vaudeville routine or an old burlesque routine. And they made it their own and they made it so much better. I'm telling you, it's just fabulous. And it's based on the great logical illogic of, well, so who really is on first? Folks, there isn't a time in my life I haven't heard that routine and listened to the whole thing. It's like a movie you love, and it just comes on at 2 in the morning, and you think, oh, I was just going to sleep too, but I have to see this movie. Well, who's on first may only last uh, two or three minutes, but I'll tell you what, it's just a fabulous routine. And Rocco, thank you for bringing that up. I'm sure your question means you love it too, but the beauty of the comedy in it and the beauty of the structure of it, 
And the beauty of its eternal power from Abbott and Costello is that Rocco, who really is on first, I'm afraid we'll never know. But that's what makes it, wow, so funny. And uh, if we did know, I'll go a step further and say, if we did know who really was on first, I think it would actually, well, hurt the routine and make us unhappy. Because it just doesn't know, and it would take a little of the magic away from it, and a little of the power away from it. Good question, though, Rocco. If we gave away a brand-new car for every great musical question, well, you might not win one because that would cost us a lot of money. But you would be close. That's the highest compliment I and the colonel and the doctor can give. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon, still the greatest company in the history of the world because whatever you want, whatever you've always wanted, whatever you can imagine, whatever you can dig up, I'm telling you that you go to them and they will send it to you. And here's the beautiful part. Whatever you ask for, they'll send it to you and they send us here, the colonel, the doctor, and me, a percentage of whatever you order. So you know what? That's a pretty terrific company. And what you do is go to Amazon on your laptop or your iPad or anything that connects to the Internet, right? Wrong! No, you don't! Hold it right there! Stop that finger from pressing that button. What you do is you go to our website for the show here. That was too close, wasn't it? LarryMillerPodcast.com Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. You go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and we have a little banner that says Amazon on it. You click that banner, our banner that says Amazon, and then take a nap. Lie down in an easy chair and, well, kick yourself back and put a magazine over your face because we will take you to Amazon, and we'll get you there. And that's how you'll do it all. And by PayPal, the company that's most fun to say for me, PayPal. And they're, they're a great group. It's, it's like feeling you're the most charitable person in the world. And what you want to do is, I always advise, go to your favorite bar wherever you live and walk in in the afternoon at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock when no one's there, not a, not a soul there except the bartender with his foot up on the speed rack doing a crossword puzzle, and you walk over and say, uh, say, buddy, how much do you charge for a drink here? And when he tells you, whatever it is, you say, thanks a lot, and multiply that by three, and send us that. And that means you're sending us enough for a drink for Dr. Chris and for Colonel Jeff and for me. And so do it that way. And as long as you're there and it's a bar and you've just found out what it costs, Order the drink. It's a relaxed atmosphere. You're the only one there. Sit down and watch a ball game. And that guy will wink and tip his hat and say, come and ride up. And he'll toss a napkin or a coaster out there and put your drink right on it. Amazon and PayPal, the best companies there are. And that brings us to my favorite part of the show every week, the joke of the week. <laughs> I forget every time that you're going to play that. Let me try it again. The, my, my favorite part of the whole show, the joke <laughs> of the week. <laughs> Whatever the limit to being silly is, I think we hit it every every time with that one. The joke of the week, and uh, this this time I think it's a good joke. Joke of the week is wonderful. It's something to pass on to your friends and your family and anyone you like, if you like this joke, pass it on. And uh, this this week the joke is about two elderly women talking on the phone in New York City. And one says to the other, so, so Sarah, you, did you move into your new apartment already? And Sarah says, yes, I did. I just moved in. I've been here a couple of days. And I'd like you to see it. 
uh, come on down. Are you free? And her friend Becky says, yes, I'm, I'm free night right now. And Sarah says, good. Let me give you the directions. What you do is you get on the subway and uh, you come all the way downtown and uh, you get off at Canal Street. And you get on the subway and you get off of Canal Street. You walk up. Now, what's going to happen is as you walk up, you're going to see a big building on your left. What you do is that's where I live. That's 1486. And you, you, you walk right up to it there. And there's a bell for the doorman. And what you do is you use, your, use your left elbow. You use your left elbow and hit the, hit the bell with, with, with that elbow. And when he comes in, you come over to my mailboxes where they have all the buttons for all the apartments and you get to mine, which on the on the eighth floor, and it has my name on it. And what you do is use well, use use your right elbow at this time. You 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 go over and you hit the button on my apartment, and I'll buzz you in. And while the buzz is going, you use use your left elbow again and open the door there and come on up into the elevator. It'll be open, and we, you'll get in there. You can press the number eight with your elbow this time. Use your right elbow. And it'll take you right up to the top. And I'll be waiting for you at the door there. And you come out. And I'll just have you come right in. And then and her friend says to her, wait a minute, Sarah, I'm, you know what? I'm getting confused here. What, what is this with all the elbows? Why does everything have to be, I use this elbow, I use, I, I use that elbow, I hit this with the left elbow, then with the right elbow? Why, 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 is, why does everything have to be an elbow? And Sarah says, so you came empty-handed? <laughs> that's a pretty good joke. That's, that's good and silly. And uh, so pass that on to a friend or a loved one. And my friends, that brings us to my second favorite part of the show every week. The Poetry Corner. Yes, with not only a great string quartet, but apparently the conductor has a bad cough. And uh, this is a terrific poem by the great Robert Louis Stevenson. And the way a good poem is, it just paints a nice picture for us. Sometimes it's very deep and dark. Sometimes it's light and frothy and airy. And sometimes it just tells us what well, something looks like, like a sunset. And this is a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson called A Good Boy. And here it is. I woke before the morning. I was happy all the day. I never said an ugly word, but smiled and stuck to play. And now at last the sun is going down behind the wood and I am very happy, for I know that I've been good. My bed is waiting cool and fresh, with linen smooth and fair. And I must be off to sleep's in by, and not forget my prayer. I know that till tomorrow I shall see the sun arise. No ugly dream shall fright my mind. No ugly sight, my eyes. But slumber hold me tightly till I waken in the dawn and hear the thrushes singing in the lilacs round the lawn. Isn't that a nice look on his part at... It's so nice, a good boy who goes through his day... And I don't know about you, but so many of those images really drew me when he says, My bed is waiting cool and fresh with linen smooth and fair. I really thought, boy, that sounds good. Boy, that sounds like a great night's sleep to to stretch yourself and crawl into a a freshly made bed like that. The way he describes it, cool and fresh with linen smooth and fair. And remember, he uh, lived in the, well, he was born in 1850, I think, and then lived through the rest of the 19th century and into the 20th century. So this wasn't exactly going to a Four Seasons hotel. He was talking about having a nice bed in a cabin 
in the woods. I love that, how, good Lord, how the sun is going down behind the wood. Behind the wood? Who lives in a place where there's a behind the wood? But thank you to Robert Louis Stevenson, and I hope you like that one, folks. That brings us to the third favorite part of the show for me. 3M, the triple M, the magic movie moment. That's right. I just had to let that play out. It's it's so cute. And the magic movie moment is where I love to describe, and I know you all love to describe too to yourselves and to others, what a great movie is to you, what a magic... And each movie has a magic movie moment in it. It has something that just makes you feel good every time you see the movie. 20, 30, 40 times... It's a scene or an actor or an actress or a part of the script or a way it's shot. And it just makes you smile, makes you feel good. And that's what makes it a magic movie moment. And for me, today, it's from the movie Young Frankenstein from 1974, directed by Mel Brooks and starring, oh, good Lord, how many people are in this? Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle. Ken Mars, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, so many others, and maybe the greatest of all, good Lord, Terry Garr. She is always so good in every movie she's been in, and, well, she's gorgeous. She just is. And in this movie, Young Frankenstein, he, she's not only beautiful, but she's a great actress, and the way she puts on that accent, the way she goes through every scene she's in, and there's not a second that you can't say to yourself, holy mackerel, she's pretty. And she's not selling it or overselling it. She's she's just there. She's just being herself. And boy, oh boy, herself is gorgeous. And there's a scene in it. She's great in the whole movie, but uh, in the in the end, with the way the movie builds, where Peter Boyle as young Frankenstein is uh, comes through and he meets Madeline Kahn, and he's still well, just the big bad monster, but she brings out a heart of gold in him somehow, and he sort of just climbs on her, and uh, in in the hayloft, I think it is. And uh, Madeline Kahn was great in everything, too. And she starts singing, Oh, sweet mystery of life, the day I found you. And it's, well, the greatest coupling that's ever occurred in life, in her life, in his, anything. It's the first time for him. It's just a magical thing. But that's not the magic movie moment I'm talking about. The one I'm talking about is how it comes back at the end of the movie, his great chore in his mission in the movie is to become more of a normal person instead of a monster. And at the end of the movie, he and Madeline Kahn get married, and he has become kind of a normal person. And they're in their bedroom in their nice house on Long Island somewhere. And she comes out of the bathroom ready to go to bed, and she's wearing now, she's wearing the Mrs. Frankenstein hairdo that was made so famous by Elsa Lanchester in uh, the great black-and-white movie. And, uh, oh, brother, she comes out with that hair up, and she sings again, I think, the same song. Oh, sweet mystery of life, the day I found you, as a method of saying to her husband, Frankenstein, now let's go, and you'll take me again. And show me the way to go home. And uh, she holds her arms out with the hair up like that, black and white. And and she's singing. And then there's a cut to him. He's in the bed. But now he's become such a normal guy. He's sitting up in the bed, reading the Wall Street Journal. And kind of rolling his eyes of saying, Oh, boy, do I have to do this again? So he's become so normal. He's lost his whole flame. And then we cut to 
the wedding chamber also of Gene Wilder and Terry Garr, which another another absolutely God bless her. And Terry Garr is gorgeous, and Gene Wilder has become unlike Frankenstein. Gene Wilder has somehow regressed in the process, and he's become more of a monster. And uh, they have a fantastic relationship there because he's not normal at all. Folks, it's a terrific movie. Colonel Jeff and I agreed. Young Frankenstein is better and better every time you see it. And if you were never crazy about it, see it again now and you'll say to yourself, you know what, that's pretty terrific. And it is. It's a very, very, very good movie. And it's funny all along the way. And, not incidentally, Terry Garr is all over it. God bless her. She just looks gorgeous. And uh, no matter how they're dressed, it doesn't matter. Uh, which actually is brings me to a, a, a certain topic. Because this time, last week I told you, and the week before... And I know I mentioned it, oh, six months or eight months or so ago, that our oldest son had joined the Marines. And he signed up, and he was ready to go and waiting to go. He graduated from high school in June. And his time there in boot camp at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego began, which was on July 22nd. And it ends when they graduate as Marines, when they are full 100% Marines. And the parents, and we brought his other brother and a couple of my wife's friends, all went down to San Diego to see the graduation ceremony. And there's a reason I want to tell you about this, though, because he's with us now. We After the ceremony, he... Uh, had breakfast with a couple of his platoon mates the next day. The graduation was on Friday, the 17th. And uh, on Saturday, the 18th, he and his uh, couple of his well platoon mates there went out to breakfast at a local, just a like a Denny's right there in San Diego. They were all off base for the first night. And that really takes a lot out of them because when they... For three months, they've been getting up in the morning with a lot of banging and a lot of screaming and the lights, 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 because that's part of the job is to – there's a double job for the the drill instructors and the Marines. You've all seen them in movies and television shows, but, boy, these fellas, these fellas really know what they're doing, and they are as tough as they need to be, but they're a real – they're a real treasure for us to have because the job of a drill instructor is two things. One, it's to fight, and two, it's to make Marines, and that's what they do. And my son said to me today, before I came down here to do the podcast and to do the prep work with Colonel Jeff, and he said to me, you know what, I need some new underwear so I wanted to just go out and get that. And I said to him, well, I'll tell you what, if you wait till I just get in the shower because I just worked out, let me get in the shower. And then the both of us will go down together. We'll go to Macy's in the mall and we'll get you some underwear. And I wanted to get some khaki pants and we can get those both at Macy's, I think. And he said, uh, sounds good. So he waited but you know how life just gets a little stretched out and sometimes things take a little longer than they were supposed to. I was supposed to meet here to meet Colonel Jeff to do the prep work on the show at 1 o'clock. Now, you can be late sometimes and life just takes as long as it's going to take. And I got in the shower at the house and I got all cleaned up and scrubbed up. There's still nothing better than being clean and putting on clean clothes, by the way. And then I was going to have a quick bite of lunch, and we were going to be out of that house at 11 o'clock. And that would have given us an hour, hour and 15 minutes to get these things, which is plenty of time. And yet, though, well, you brush your teeth and 
you uh, comb your hair. Whatever hair I have, I comb. And then I got dressed and went to grab a bite of lunch in our kitchen. Just make it. It was just me and my son and the dog there. My wife was at work and our other son was off on a field trip for the school. And that lunch, I'll tell you, while you make yourself, there was some tuna salad left over and some egg salad left over and a sliced tomato left over. And leftovers are good, and I made it, and I read the sports page there, and I made myself a cup of coffee. And that lunch took about 20, 25 minutes. It should have taken three minutes, but you know what? You're reading the sports page, and you're sitting in a chair, and you're saying, you're feeling good, and thank God everyone's well, and that really is an important factor. And, well, it took a while, and then I just walked in and said to my kid who was listening to a new album he got, and uh, I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to have a bite of lunch, and then uh, we'll get out of here, and we'll go over to Macy's to get your underwear and my khaki pants. And the point is between this and that and cleaning up his room and making sure everything was hung up and the towels and the, the clothes were put in the laundry room, well, we didn't get out of there till instead of 11 o'clock, we got out of there, well, about 12 o'clock. And that made the whole difference. And he drove. We went to the shopping mall, and he parked. We walked through Bloomingdale's and walked down the long hallway. And he said, you know what? We can get underwear anywhere. I'll bet a lot of these stores have underwear for me. He just wanted regular Hanes underwear, just plain white underwear. And I had said to him, I remember, that uh, do the Marines have their own underwear do they give that to you? Because they have everything else, and he looks just great in it. And, uh, well, you'll see. We're going to put up a couple of pictures my wife took of him in his uniform and for graduation and standing next to us. And he uh, said, you know what? The Marines do give you underwear, but it's not the kind everybody just knows it. Everyone says it's not the kind you want. It's a little too tight. It's just plain tighty whities and they're not an official brand of anything. And he said, as soon as you put those on, you know, this is not the one you want to be wearing when you're crawling under a tripwire when they're shooting live fire over your head on a training mission. And so he said, I need some new underwear. And we went to the first store. There were some stores along the way in the hallway there before we got to Macy's. There was J. Crew, and there was The Gap, and there was... Another one or two, and I can't remember their names. I think one was called Vans. But I'm telling you, we went into each one of these, and there's no one in the mall. The mall is empty. The mall is full of cars. There are people in there, but I don't know where they are. They could have been at the Disney store, but they were not in J. Crew or these places. Empty, so we walked around for just a minute or two, and then someone would come up and say, can I help you? And we said, do you have any underwear? We're looking for underwear for him. And they said... No, we don't. We don't have any underwear. Maybe you want to try The Gap. Or maybe you want to try J. Crew. Or maybe you want to try any of these other places. And we said, okay. And then my, and then my son would say, do you have any khakis for him? And you can imagine the stories he went to were not made to sell khakis to me. And that's okay. But they were more made. They were things that Mick Jagger might wear and could wear and does wear. But... We went to one store, they didn't have anything. Went to another store, didn't have anything. And then I said, you know what, let's just go down to Macy's, because I know I had to be here anyway to get ready for the show. I said, let's just go down to Macy's. I'll bet you a dollar they have underwear for you. They just have regular underwear. It's Macy's. I'll bet you they'll have a whole stack of with a big name on it that just says regular underwear. And he said, okay. He said, what about your khakis? I said, Forget the khakis. I'll go over there after the show, after we tape it. I'll go there tomorrow. We'll, we'll go there together. We'll get, we'll get something else together, which is a lot of fun for me. He said, okay, again, we go into Macy's and couldn't find a thing, couldn't find any underwear, but I used an old trick. Well, it's not a trick, really. I just walked up to a lady with a with a name tag on who worked at Macy's, and we were in the men's department. I said, excuse me, ma'am, can you tell us, please, where they have underwear for him? We're looking for 
white underwear, just say Hanes underwear. And she smiled and said, yes, go right down to there where she pointed us to the pants area where it said uh, Levi's 501 in a big sign. And she said, turn right there and you'll go down for a while and you'll see our underwear section. And I said, thank you. And he said, thank you. And she said, thank you. And we, sure enough, we walked down to there where it said 501. We turned right. We started walking down there again. And there was an underwear section, but it was not for him and not for me. It was fancy, colored underwear, wild stripes. It was things that, and every underwear section, no matter what the brand was, and they were all fancier brands. They were all Ralph Lauren and Polo and things like that, and sort of the almost Italian ones. I say almost Italian because they're not Armani, but they're spelled, written the same way, and it's Arfani. You know, it has an F in it instead of an M. And every single one of their sections had a life-size photo of a male model wearing the underwear and nothing else. Nothing else. He was wearing the underwear, and so what they're selling is not the underwear. They're selling him, and I don't want him, and my son doesn't want him. We wanted the underwear, but the pictures were so jarring, and Colonel Jeff said something that was interesting. He said that... uh, You know, they say that when you're selling women's clothes, what you do is you have a woman wearing it who looks good in it. Because he said women buy the clothes they want to buy, but they want to see someone look good in it and say, hey, she looks good in it. Maybe I'll look good in it too. And that's what they'll have for blouses, for gloves, for hats, whatever the thing is. But that when they sell men's clothes... They don't, they're not selling the clothes anymore. They're selling a picture of a guy. And that's fine. But again, I'm not buying a picture of a guy. I'm not looking for a guy. It's fine if you are. But they had these pictures, which again, the the fellas are young models and good looking and not wearing any clothes. And they're in some sort of stretch and one arm's out there, one, one arm is out there. They sort of look like, uh, well, it looks like a rap party for, uh, for well, a, a big Greek company like 2,000 years ago and where everyone is doing poses. And, again, okay, but they didn't have the – and the underwear was had all colored stripes on it and was cut in a certain way so that, well, you couldn't really wear them if you were going to do regular things, regular boy things or man things in life. And so after a while, he said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go to Target later. We might as well forget this. I said, buddy, that's that's the smartest thing you could ever say. So let's do that. He said, what about your pants? I said, again, never mind the pants. I'll get them later. I'll get them tomorrow. We'll go somewhere else. You go to Target, and that'll be, that'll be that. And I, so I can only tell you that it was not an unpleasant time, but what we did was We did something I've never done before, which is to say he and I didn't go buy anything. We went shopping, which is not something I've ever done or ever wanted to do. I know people like to go shopping. My wife loves to go shopping with her friends. I don't know exactly what shopping means. What it means is, I think, looking around at different things and saying, well, I like that one, I like that one. Let's go to another store and look for other ones and see what the prices are. And see how we feel about it, which is fine, but not for my kid and me who just wanted to get some Hanes underwear and some khaki pants. And I'll tell you, folks, that was a fine thing to do. It really was. We had the best time because we realized we've never been shopping together and we didn't enjoy it. We didn't want to go shopping, but. We were together just wandering around a mall at around noon in the middle of the day. And, folks, I can't tell you how much fun it was to go to his Marine graduation. My wife and I and our other son drove down there. 
And uh, my wife made us reservations at a local hotel, which is only a mile or two away from the Marine Corps Recruit Depot from the base there. And uh, she made reservations at an Embassy Suites Hotel, which was very good, by the way. They had a free breakfast every morning, a buffet. I, I, I don't know how you beat free anything. There's something about when they say, you know, we have a free breakfast every day. Everyone's answer, if you're sane, everyone's answer is, what time does the free breakfast start? What time do we have to be on the Marine base? Well, they're going to have the raise the flag ceremony at 730, but that's when the breakfast starts. Well, I, I'm i afraid we're going to have to miss the flag ceremony then because we're going to the free breakfast. And we had the best time there. And, folks, I can tell you a couple of things about that graduation ceremony and about a Marine base anyway, that... First of all, the retired Marines who were coming to the graduation ceremony, it was very interesting. And I mean this as a compliment, too. Retired Marines look like Marines. They look not super tough, but they look like they can handle themselves. And when they said, they always make an announcement, please, everyone still in the service or who has been in the service, because Marines always say, well, you're a Marine for life. Even after you retire, you're still a Marine forever. And they said, would all the ex-Marines please stand up? And they stood up. And I'll tell you, you could just look at some of these folks, and the men in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and the first thing I thought when I walked past them as we were going in to sit down is, the first thing I thought was, he's a Marine. That guy is a Marine. And I don't mean because they look big-muscled like gym guys like go to, who go to the gym. It's fine if you want to go to the gym, but, you know, they all look like a Mr. Universe look, like a, like a Schwarzenegger look, which is fine, again. If that's what you want, that's fine. But it's tougher than that. It's really better than that. These guys, the real Marines, just look like guys... Who could, well, as my my son said, if one of your drill instructors was running at the platoon, if something went wrong or if something happened and he came running, he said the look on his face and the way he ran made you freeze. He wasn't even yelling anything, but just the way these guys are built, the way they practice all the physical chores and the way they make themselves is very impressive and really makes you think that if, you know, I, you could say to these sergeants who have, by the way, the drill instructors, who have a chest full of medals, not too many, but not too few, and they're young men too. They're still, well, only 28, 30 years old, but they've been there, there, there and back. And today we all know where there is. And it's not an easy place to be. And they've been there and they've done their duty. And they've done it enough to win ribbons and win awards and to get it on their chest. And I'll tell you, we saw two of them, his two drill instructors. He wanted us to meet them. And we went over, this was in the Marine Museum after graduation, and he walked over, and we, we went with him just to say hello to his drill instructors, and they turned, and they smiled, and we all shook hands. And my wife and I said, and we meant it, you know, that uh, we're very grateful to you. Our, our son is very happy. He's a good Marine, and he's got a great start. And we want to thank you because you made him a Marine. And they were really nice and one of them was smiling at me and we shook hands and he asked me about well being in movies with this or that and he asked me it was very flattering and I was happy to answer anything you wanted it's, it's ple you're pleased they recognize you and the funny part of that was well we talked for about 10 or 15 minutes and uh, my son was standing in the right position to talk to them and 
they couldn't have been nicer. And we all uh, walked away and said thank you and shook hands again. God bless you and good luck and this and that. And that night was my son's last night in the barracks. And he was packing this and shining that and talking to someone. And one of his uh, one of his drill instructors came over and was standing there. And he just turned around and said, oh, and he got into the, you know, the right position again, the attention there. And, uh, yes, Sergeant. And, uh, and the sergeant said to him, uh, so your father's in show business. Uh, you didn't say anything about that. They didn't know. My son hadn't said anything. He hadn't said well, my dad is on TV and in the movies, and he's a comic and a writer. And the sergeant said to him, why didn't you say anything about that? And he said, well, I didn't want to burden myself with that. I didn't want to get a nickname like Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood, pick up that underwear. And uh, the sergeant looked at him and said, you know what? I know what you mean. That was all right. I think I would have done the same thing. You did the right thing. And I said, well, that was nice of him. And uh, he had the oddest look on his face. This was, He was telling me this the next day on our drive home. And I said, uh, well, that's strange. Why, why, do you, why do you look like that? Were the, were they, they, they sounded very nice. And he said, no, it was great, but I, I had just never seen them smile. And we all laughed when he said that. And then we realized that's exactly true. That's not how you see your drill instructor. He's not smiling. He's the one who comes up and starts yelling an inch from your ear if you don't have your fork in the right hand. And that may sound stupid to you, but it's not. It's how, well, it's how they make Marines. And they really know how to make them well and how to make them tough and how to get them to stand the right way and wear their caps or their covers the right way. And, folks, I can't tell you, we were so proud at that graduation. If you don't feel things like that, I'm sorry for you. But when they presented the flag before the troops come in, uh, platoon by platoon, with their honor guard in front, and they come marching in so correctly, and the flag is presented, the American flag, the Marine flag and the platoon flags and uh, the company flag, rather. And they come in and they go to the center. They turn to the center and march down with the flags. And they stop and raise the flags. And the Marine band plays the Star-Spangled Banner. And, folks, I am here to tell you, without changing it too much or too little, my eyes filled with tears, and so did my wife's, and so did everyone in the those stands. And we were sort of breathless. They play that on the parade ground of the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, where every building was built in 1921 and is kept as good as they can keep it, and... I'm telling you that flag was there, and folks, our eyes filled, and we had our hands on our hearts to sing the national anthem. If you don't react that way, I'm sorry for you. If that flag doesn't make you cry, I could only say to you, time for you to leave the ceremony then. Go back to the hotel and get yourself a cup of coffee and go up to the room and turn the TV on. And that's fine for you. But I'm going to be here with the rest of these folks. And we're going to stand here with our hands on our hearts and our eyes filled. And we're going to sing that national anthem with the band. And I'll tell you what. When your son comes with his platoon and all the other platoons, there were 436 recruits who went to the recruit depot, and they were all graduating that day in five platoons. And when they come around, march around that parade ground, and there's such a nice part of it because you and I are not allowed on that parade ground. They tell you that, but it's a good tradition.
it, it's an important one. Only Marines in uniform can walk onto that parade ground. And you and I, in our sneakers and our topsiders, and with our little caps on, may not. And I think that's a great rule. And so to take him back to our car and back to the hotel and off the base for the first time in three months, folks, we all walked around the parade ground, and he had a lot of stuff to carry, too. But he was glad to do it, and we were glad that he was doing it, too. And, in fact, when we got in the car, it's funny, I got behind the wheel and said, we're all in there, and he was in the front seat next to me, and it was my wife and our other son and uh, her sister, Helen, whose son was a Marine, too. And I was there at that ceremony when he graduated. But the point is, when we started to pull out, as we were just pulling backing out of our parking spot, I started to say, well, let's all take a last look around at this wonderful place and what it means and about who built it and how many lives came through here and how many were lost in all the fights since then. And it was funny but understandable. My son, who had just graduated, who was a Marine, just said, yeah, you know what? Please do me a favor. Let's just leave here. It's enough. And he had no no feeling except it's enough for right now. I'm done. I'm on leave. Let's go to that hotel and get some ice cream. How'd that be? And he did that, and my wife was laughing because she said, and it's true. I was the only one who wanted to say, let's all recall how many lives. It was not the time to say that, not the time for him to hear it. He put his duty in there. He worked his butt off there. And he wore everything the right way there, and he loves it. And he did all the right things. But you know what? It was enough. He didn't need to hear about it again. I loved hearing the band playing the Sousa Marches and the Star-Spangled Banner. And I loved standing up with my hand on my chest when the flag was presented. And I loved looking around at the other servicemen who had been in so many battles. And it was my son, God bless him, it was my son who was really just thinking, you know what, right now, for now, let's get some chocolate because I haven't had any in three months. And I had to laugh because he's exactly right. For him and for everyone who really does this, they don't need to recap it. They don't need to hear me thinking of, well, writing poetry about it. What they need is a big, giant stack of pancakes with some chocolate on it. And he knew that. Folks, it was quite a day, and uh, I'll tell you more when there's more to be told. But for now, I know that my son has to get underwear at Target, and I have to get khaki pants, maybe at Target, too. But I know what you know, that Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. If you like the show, tell a friend. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a house to come back to and someone who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's the truest thing I know. So to all the Marines, Semper Fi. And we'll see you folks here next week. Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Habit, 
If you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman. Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> That. Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. Right? I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Name on first no, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's get <laughs> now, how did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you stay on third base, right. don't go off it. All right, nobody want to know. Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Oh, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base? base. <laughs> Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Now tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. <laughs> I want to know what's the guy's name in left field. No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> and the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Me, this you got a pitcher on a team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tamara. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, then man. Go ahead. Tamara. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen, who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say, who's on first. <laughs> I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Got <laughs> the catcher? Certainly. The catcher's name? Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. <laughs> Catcher too. So they tell I get behind the plate, do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team, and a heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Now the heavy hitter bunched the ball. When he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Just to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> Look, if I throw the ball at first base, somebody's got to get it. Now who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying that. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. Listen, you asked me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. Same as you. <laughs> don't change them around. Same as you. I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. What? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I'm in the Come on. <laughs>